listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap. This is the post-game show. I'm sure from my tone of voice, my expression on my face, the fact that my hands probably keep going toward my face and rubbing my eyes probably tells you all you need to know. The New York Knicks lost their preseason opener in overtime to the Memphis Grizzlies. The final score was New York 112 and the Memphis Grizzlies 115. There are so many points that I want to get to before we close today's show. But before I do that, I just have to remind you guys, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel. And don't forget to hit that notification bell as well so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. And remember, we are your number one source for all New York Knicks-related content. I normally say that in the beginning of the show, but, uh, you know, given the circumstances today... I didn't say that. And in all honesty, I didn't want to say it because I don't know what to say. Um, I just saw an overtime game with the New York Knicks versus the Memphis Grizzlies. I saw a New York Knicks team that essentially played good defense in the first quarter, dropped a massive bombshell on themselves by allowing the Grizzlies, I believe. And I'm just going to take out the recap here. 36, 36 36 points. We let the Grizzlies score 36 points in the second quarter. And that really what doomed us because we were playing catch up up until that point. And then guess what happened? The catch up game that we played, it worked. We caught up and we tied the game. And guess who tied the game? And we're going to get to him. Cam reddish with a corner three from a pass from Jalen Brunson before the clock expired, but I think 0.5 seconds left after he made it to tie the game. And what a game it was an incredible game, an incredible uh, game to watch to see Cam Reddish play Julius Randle, RJ Barrett. We're going to get to as well. And again, if you can notice my tone and you know how I'm speaking, it's because Barrett didn't have a good game. In fact, you could say Barrett had the worst game on the team. And we're going to get into that. Final score again for the New York Knicks, 112 Memphis Grizzlies, 115. They beat us in overtime. We're going to go through some of the key points on why the Knicks lost this game. Uh, We're going to go through a couple of players and how they did and, you know, what their play looked like. And uh, finally, you know, we're going to close out with um, a couple of things that, I think the Knicks need to clean up and a couple of maybe, maybe hot takes. I don't know if they're hot takes for me. They're just my personal opinion, but you might feel a little differently. So stay tuned until the end of the show to hear that. Let's jump right into it. There are two things that I said, if you listen to my Twitter spaces or, you know, you've heard me speak at all about this in regards to the preview for the Grizzlies versus the Knicks. There are two things that I said the Knicks needed to do in order to win this game. Because even without Jaron Jackson Jr., they still have John Morant. And if you saw the game, 
John Morant is not human. He bodied Mitchell Robinson going against the paint. He's shooting threes now. John Morant is shooting threes. If you can believe this, John Morant has added threes to his game. So not only can he pull the defense towards you and open a lane in the paint, pass to the open man, which he did a lot, but now you have to fear it. Before last season, he wasn't that great of a three-point shooter. So, I mean, you didn't want to leave him, but you could leave a little bit of space. If he starts making them consistently, might as well throw uh, their, excuse me, Morant's name in there for MVP. If he makes the three consistently with his already good game and you expect it to take another leap, I mean, you could put Luka Donic and uh, John Morant in there in terms of players that would be considered for the MVP. John Morant looked amazing tonight. Absolutely amazing. Let's go to John Morant's stat line, actually. So John Morant for the night played 38 minutes, 34 points, four rebounds, nine assists, 11 from 24 from the field, three from uh, six from three-point range. Again, that's 50%. Again, he only shot six, but, you know, again, he's, he's making them. He's making them when it matters. So, you know, that matters. Nine of 11 from uh, the free throw line. What else do you want from your guard? John Morant cooked us. He was the biggest problem on that. You couldn't really stop him or solve him. No matter what we threw at him, he seemed to have an answer. And it didn't help that Jalen Brunson, our point guard, was in foul trouble for, for most of the game. I mean, he didn't play much of the first, played barely any of the second, um, played a decent amount of the third, and you know, a good amount of the second half is where Jalen Brunson played. But obviously, you know, Jalen Brunson is a tone setter. He's a pace setter. Since that's the case, what do you want from Jalen Brunson? You want him to be able to be in the game, to impact the game, to do what he does, you know, to penetrate, to find the open man, to do what basically Ja did to us. What we were doing to Indiana and uh, the Pistons and the Wizards in preseason, they did it to us, you know, and for what it's worth, you saw a superior level guard in Ja and how that level of play looks like. He was an offensive monster. He wasn't that great on defense, but his teammates knew that and gave a lot of help defense for him. But he was cooking us. A lot of that had to do with us allowing the three-point shot. And man, are we going to get into that? Since I just mentioned it, I'm just going to jump into it. Here's the reasons that the New York Knicks lost this game. Going back to the points again, here are the points that I stated that the New York Knicks needed to do. They needed to defend the three and they needed to control pace. And if they did those two things, they were going to win. That was the basis of what I said before the game started. Now let's go to the reasons they lost the game. Hmm. Oh, didn't control pace? This is a tricky one because I didn't expect this one. Got beaten on the offensive glass when it mattered the most. That was key. No, I don't think anybody saw Mitchell Robinson not really fouling out, but basically being non-existent for the entire game because, you know, he wasn't he wasn't playing because he was in so much foul trouble. And Isaiah Hartenstein played 40 minutes because really because Mitch wasn't available because of all those fouls. So it, I think that really took a, you know, a toll on the uh, team. And another reason that the Knicks lost his game um, is because they couldn't stop John Morant. Couldn't stop John Morant, couldn't defend the three. 
um, you know, and interior defense in terms of uh, offensive rebounds. And you couldn't control the pace. If you don't do those things, you're not beating Memphis. Memphis is one of the fastest teams in the league. They were fastest in pace last 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 year. They only lost to the Warriors last year. The Warriors were the only team that legitimately beat them, obviously, and sent them home. That's the team they lost to. But they were on a rise last year. They were cooking. And John Morant was a big part of that. Jaron Jackson Jr., when he comes back, is going to be another huge part of that. Desmond Bain, another huge part of that. And here's the thing that nobody's talking about. They didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr., their best rim protector. Okay? That's number one. Desmond Bain was atrocious. Listen to Desmond Bain's stat line. He played 37 minutes at 15 points. He shot 22 times and score and, and only made six attempts. 22 attempts and only and only made six of them. Scoring a total of 15. Going to the line twice. Didn't even put him at the line too often. So Bain wasn't even the one killing you. It was these rookies, uh Aldamata. 39 minutes, 18 points, 11 rebounds. Who is this guy? I never heard of him before. I never heard the name Al. I said Al the who? I tweeted it. Al the who? Because I didn't know this kid. Now, forgive me. Maybe that's my ignorance because I'm, you know, really focused on the Knicks and who we got. And don't get me wrong. I look around the league and everything like that. But I don't look at every single rookie and, you know, um, second year guy and who may not get any minutes. I don't look at that. I didn't expect this guy to give us 18, give this guy, give these guys 18 points and 11 rebounds. Seven for 14 from the field, three of eight from a uh, three point range, which isn't very good. But the fact that he made it, what are we going to do here? You couldn't stop this kid. And uh, Conchair, I, I remember him from last season. So I remember him. He got, you know, um, a couple of good games last season, but, you know, nothing crazy. He had a double double this game. 12 points, 11 rebounds. I don't... Listen. I already told you why we lost the game. I gave you my reasons. I gave you my points. Let's go to players now. The players that I thought affected the game the, the most, either because of their player lack thereof. And this one's going to fall under lack thereof. Mitchell Robinson... 13 minutes, four points, two rebounds, two out of three from the field, two blocks. Nice. Mitch is always going to give you a block. Five fouls. Minus seven plus minus. That's your $60 million center. It's one game. I'm not going to kill him. But listen, we got to do better than this. There is no way anybody would be happy with this stat line. Not from Mitch, who we saw all preseason look like he was going to cook once the season started. So the fact that he didn't cook is obviously concerning. Now, let's take a step back. Who was he going up against? Steven Adams. Who is Steven Adams? Oh, yeah. The best offensive NBA rebounder in the league last season. Okay. Now, who is the second best offensive rebounder in the NBA in the league? Last season, it was Mitchell Robinson. Steven Adams always gives Mitchell Robinson problems for, you know, multiple reasons, but two main reasons. 
He's strong as hell. That's the first. And his positioning is so good. Russell Westbrook even, you know, spoke about that. You know, the good Russ, not the one playing in LA right now. But, you know, when Russ and him were teammates, that's what they used to talk about. And you used to say he's one of the strongest players and the smartest players in terms of positioning. He's not always the flashes. He's not always going to give you the highlight plays like Jaws going to give you. But he's a cleaner underneath. And they clean the offensive glass when it mattered most. We And when Mitch was out with those fouls, our best offensive rebounder, we had Isaiah Hartenstein in. We played Isaiah Hartenstein 40 minutes, folks. We played him 40 minutes. Now, I love Isaiah Hartenstein, but what I saw tonight, and this is no knock to Isaiah Hartenstein. I don't expect this from Isaiah Hartenstein. Not in the very least, actually. Um, or maybe a little bit, but not, not like I expected from Mitchell Robinson, I should say. You saw a defensive gap, if you will, when Mitch was on the bench in two ways. He didn't get that much shot blocking because Isaiah Hartenstein is not a shot blocker. He can block shots, but he's not a shot blocker. And you also saw us basically get out-rebounded on the offensive glass by Steven Adams, which was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen because best offensive rebounder, and then we don't have our best offensive rebounder. So that was bound to happen. So that's that's really what would cook um Isaiah inside and with Mitch not there you saw it I mean he creates a fear and he makes people second guess their shots which alters them and you know potentially makes them miss or make a bad play or a bad pass and helps us get out in transition that's why he's so important his blocks are so important for that reason not having them there having him play 13 minutes tonight Mitchell Robinson was a huge factor in his lack of play, which is why we lost this game. Let's go to another factor who was used heavily, but one of the main reasons we lost this game. And I'm not throwing shade at these players. I love the Knicks. I love them. I want them to do good. This is a post-game show. So I'm going to give you my thoughts on what I saw out there during the game for the Knicks versus the Grizzlies. And that's what I'm doing right now. With that being said, RJ Barrett again, three of 18, forced shots, not very good looking threes, um, not shooting within rhythm or motion. Just, and then on the defensive side, you can see it starting to take a toll as his offense waned and he wasn't making shots and he was missing shots. You saw his defense start to wane on the other side. Now, a lot of people that I talked with after the game basically told me, why didn't Tom Thibodeau bench him? Why didn't Tom Thibodeau do what he basically said he was going to do in terms of helping the team win and doing what's going to be conducive to winning by benching Barrett in turn from somebody else, anybody else who potentially make a shot, you know, experimenting with different lineups, maybe playing a little bit more D-Rose. But he didn't do that. He elected to run with Barrett for 38 minutes. Second highest uh, minute count on the team, uh, right behind Isaiah Hartenstein, backup center who played 40 minutes. If you're playing 38 minutes, you got 18 shots and you made three shots, you missed all your threes, it's a bad game. I don't care who you are, what player you are, I don't care if you're 22, you got paid, young man. 
young man, you got paid. And no, it's not about the money. I'm not saying it's about the money. But the fact of the matter is, once you get your first big contract like that, you are not a kid anymore. That's what I mean by it. So I'm not going to treat you like the rookie. You're not a rookie. This is your fourth year, young man. $120 million plus with incentives type of contract that you got. $107 million guaranteed. Nah, man. Three for 18? No. Uh-uh. Not going to happen. I'm not going to get behind that. There is no excuse that I'm going to give RJ Barrett. There is nothing that I can sift through or find that is going to make me sit, sit here and say that RJ Barrett did what he needed to do tonight. That he looked good in any respect. The best thing I can say about RJ Barrett is he basically made all of his free throws. Five of six from the line. And by the way, when your shots are not falling, take it to the rack. When your shots are not falling, take it to the rack. RJ Barrett needs to hear this. And that's why I said it twice because, I mean, I don't know if he's going to listen to this or not, but, but hey, this is one of the key things in the NBA. If you're shooting eight, nine threes and you've missed four of them, five of them, maybe just to help you drive those baskets in. Because sometimes it feels good looking at the ball going the hoop and it gives you that confidence. That, sometimes that confidence can lead you to play better, make those mid-rangers, and then eventually hit those threes. But if you're cold from three and you're going to continue to shoot threes or force threes and stay in the corner, not cut, not, you know, try to create inside, of course you're going to get caught. Of course it's not going to work. RJ looked good in a couple of plays in the first half. I'm going to give him credit for that. He had a nice pitch, uh, excuse me, he had a nice uh, pass to Mitchell Robinson in the paint when they were going under. But there are far and few plays that I can name for RJ Barrett that were good offensively he was atrocious and defensively it started to wane he was good in the first quarter kind of good in the second quarter but again everybody was kind of bad on defense in the second especially from three I mentioned in the beginning of the show one of the main issues for the Knicks were that they couldn't close out three they couldn't defend the uh, shooters from three and when you can't defend the three-point line and you make the Memphis look like the Warriors and they shoot you out of course you're going to lose that game it's surprising that we didn't lose by much, but the problem, the reason we didn't lose by much is because the Grizzlies also are not a great three-point shooting team. Hear this stat. You guys are going to be so shocked when you hear this. Do you want to know how many threes we allowed for the Grizzlies to shoot? I guess. Here we go. 50. We let the Grizzlies shoot 50 threes. They made 17 of them, so it was 34%. But that's what we let them shoot. Regardless of uh, uh, makes, regardless of what they made, we let them shoot 50. A lot of those threes, go back and watch the tape. Go back and look at the highlights. A lot of the threes that they made were like practice. The first, the first half, practice shots. Practice shots like they were in the gym with their team. That's how much space they were given or nobody running toward them. You're not going to get me behind that saying, oh, yeah, their defense was elite. Their defense was good. Their defense was okay. 
when you let a not not great Memphis Grizzlies team shoot threes when they're not a great sh- three point shooting team anyways when you let them do that and then you can't make them pay for it by getting your own threes cuz look 24% we shot 37 threes we only made 9 so we can't make them pay for it they're taking a lot of threes we're letting them do it cuz we're not closing out on shooters you take 53s, you're going to make some of them. And guess what? They made 17 of them. From all different players. John Morant even was hitting threes, like I said in the beginning. And if you let him do that, he's like an MVP caliber candidate at that point. With his game as it is already, adding a three to it is insane. It's nuts. I want to see what he does for the rest of the season. I'm curious to see what's going to go on with Ja, but... This is about the Knicks and the Grizzlies right now, and really about the Knicks and why we lost. And as I said... R.J. Barrett was a huge factor in our loss. And I'm not going to understate that. I'm not going to mix my words. R.J. Barrett was a huge reason that the New York Knicks lost this game. But I believe R.J. Barrett is going to know that, accept that, go on to Friday's game, and ball out. This is a tough game on the road against a a game Grizzlies team. But again, the things to look at from the Grizzlies side is Desmond Bade played poorly and no Jaron Jackson Jr., one of the top rim defenders in the league. So a lot of things to look at, a lot of things to be happy about, a lot of things to be not so happy about. Here's one bright spot among a few that I saw from tonight's game. Let's give some flowers up. I talked about them. Cam Reddish. Props to Cam Reddish. Uh, I give Cam Reddish props. Cam Reddish off the bench, 28 minutes, 22 points, five rebounds, and he was nine of 15 from the field. He had some plays drawn up for him by Tibbs. I believe that corner three to tie it in overtime where Jalen Brunson passed it to him was a drawn up play by yes, Tom Thibodeau, the guy that everybody said that he, that, you know, hated Cam Reddish, that we didn't want to, that nobody wanted to see him get minutes or, and, and Thibodeau didn't want to see him get minutes or play or, you know, want to call plays for him. Well, guess what? The reason we got back into that game is because of Cam Reddish. And a lot of that had to do with the coach seeing who had the hot hand and riding with it. And he drew up those plays for Brunson. Excuse me. He drew up those plays for Reddish. And Reddish, to his credit, made the most of his opportunity. That's why I always got at Reddish. It wasn't because I hated him. I like Reddish. I still do. But you have to give me something to root for. And during preseason, there was barely anything. And I hate the people who keep saying, you know, oh, defensive lanes. You're just playing the defensive passing lanes. Okay. Miles McBride does that. You know, I don't see anybody pining for him to start or pining him to get a reserve role. So, uh, you know, I don't want to see more. And damn, did Cam hear that? He showed me why we traded for him. If tonight's game is any indication of what he can do and what he will do moving forward, and if he gets a little better on the defensive end, because I still think he's a little poor there in terms of man-to-man defense, and also, you know, when his defender beats him, he's a little bit of a slower step to to catch them, so they have an easier uh, way to get that basket. 
he has length. So if they beat him, he can still jump behind and try to get the block from behind. So I think there's a little bit more to his defensive game that we haven't seen yet. So I'm curious to see what Reddish can do. Props to Reddish. I don't have anything bad to say about Reddish. I think you can make the argument that Reddish was the second best player on the floor. And I know you're asking me now, who's the best player on the floor? And you're thinking to yourself, well, he's already mentioned uh, Fournier. He's already mentioned uh, Brunson. He's already mentioned RJ. Hartenstein had a little bit of burn there, and you've mentioned him. So who else is left? Who else haven't I mentioned yet? Julius Randall. 30. Randall played amazing. Let me say that again. For all the Knicks fans who are listening, maybe shocked at my words, so I'm going to say it again. Julius Randall played amazing. And unfortunately, it didn't lead to a win, but I loved what I saw. 35 minutes, 24 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. He was 9 of 16 from the field, uh, 2 of 6 from three-point range. So still got to get better at that. But, you know, he made him. So at least he looked enough of a threat that pulled the defense in a little bit. And he was 4 or 5 from the, three, from the uh, free throw line, which is good. So... I thought he had great positioning all game. I thought he found his players very well. I, I thought he knew where people were and found them extremely well, no matter where they were, whether it was Barrett or Brunson or um, if it was uh, Mitch inside or it was Hartenstein inside or playing a, you know, a little bit of a catch a game with Hartenstein or Brunson. So I thought Randall played very good. And again, I'll say it, apart from a few plays, Randall does not hold the ball for more than five seconds. And I think that's why his game is so good because he's not holding on to the ball that long. So it's less likely, actually, as simple as it sounds, when you don't hold the ball a lot, you're less likely to do something bad with the ball. And if you're doing it in motion and in rhythm in a place you're comfortable playing in, in a good position, which Randall seems to be finding himself in lately, you're going to have good games. And, you know, Randall, for what it's worth, had a great game final preseason against the Wizards. And now, first uh, season opener game against the Grizzlies on the road, he had another good game. Uh, so I'm curious to see how consistent he is, uh, how he plays at home, especially if he doesn't get off to a hot start and that crowd boos him or chance for Obi. Obi Toppin, by the way, since we're on the subject, played 13 minutes. See, here's the thing. I get Randall was cooking. Don't get me wrong. I get that. But even after Randall fouled out, even after Randall fouled out, you still didn't put Toppin in? Like, I don't I don't get that move. And maybe this was matchup dependent. Maybe he just thought that the lineup he had out there were already, you know, very gelled together. So he didn't want to erupt it too much or move it too much with too many random pieces. But listen, man, I think Obi Toppin deserves more than 13 minutes. And maybe that's just me. Maybe you want to say it's, you know, the first game we're on the road. Randall was playing very, very well. So it didn't make sense to, you know, give Obi Toppin time. I mean, you could tell me that all you want to. I feel like the same excuses I heard last season. Obi Toppin deserves more than 13 minutes. 
and he's proven that in preseason. To let him not cook or do anything during this game is crazy to me. And to be honest, maybe we needed one of those deflating dunks to kill the other team's, you know, morale, take the energy out of the out of the crowd. And then maybe we could have done something else offensively, maybe made a run or two, because that's what OB type dunks can do. And sometimes those things are needed. But you know what? 13 minutes a night is not going to do it. And if that's the time that Obi Toppin's playing, I have no faith in Obi Toppin's game or his development or anything like that for the season. Because you're not developing your game. I don't care how much you practice. You're not developing your game in 13 minutes of NBA play every single night. It's not working. You're not going to do that. I really hope that this was a you know a blip in the in the system here. But if it's not, this is something to be concerned about. A lot of people aren't talking about this minutes distribution here. But I have a lot to be concerned about when I see Obi Toppin on the on the charts here with 13 minutes. You know, maybe that's because, you know, Cam was was cooking a lot. But again, if we're talking about RJ playing the two in this in this lineup with Brunson and Cam playing the three, why is Toppin not playing the four with Isaiah Hartenstein? You know, they played a little bit of it, I think. But man, Obi's leash for me feels very, very short. I feel like, I mean, look what RJ, RJ went three of 18 today and didn't look that good on defense. And if anything, let his let his offensive struggles affect his defense and was not pulled. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't understand that. And I think RJ as a player, if you pull him, you know, he'll understand that and he'll come back the next game fighting and hungry. I think RJ's that player. But at the end of the day, it's going back to Cam Reddish. Uh, played a hell of a game. I hope he gets more minutes. I think he deserves it um, after what I've seen tonight, especially because, again, we need a wing that can score, create, and defend. And Reddish, if all his talent is there and he can realize it and be consistent with it and focus each and every night and give that to you, that's exactly what the Knicks need. We need that. Imagine you did, and I'm not saying this lineup may start, I'm not saying that, but from what I saw tonight, especially if RJ made 10 of the 18 shots he took. Because if he did that, we would have won this game, number one. We probably would have blown this game out the water if RJ did that. So RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, right? RJ at the two, Cam at the three. You got Brunson at the one, Randall at the four, and Mitchell Robinson at the five. Try it out. That lineup, especially if Cam Reddish can use his length properly, would be a defensive monster. And Cam and RJ could switch. Randall and Cam could switch. And if you switch with Cam and Randall, you may lose a little bit of the size, but that length is there too. So you don't lose that. So it's a better switch than maybe a Randall and RJ per se, who doesn't have that same length as Cam does. So again, there are some things to play around with, maybe some lineups to experiment with. Cam Reddish made the winning basket to go into overtime. He didn't really see the ball a lot after in overtime. Now, maybe that was a coach's decision. Uh, maybe he thought that now we finally into overtime. Let's see what Brunson can do. Let's see what I can get from RJ, what I can get from uh, Randall. But then Randall fouled out. Uh, so really RJ and Brunson. And what we saw kind of alerted me for RJ Barrett in a, in a, in a small way. And we'll see how he cleaned it up, but. 
he played a lot of hero ball at the end of that game. I don't know why he did that, but he would just get a rebound and just drive it all the way up, going from east to west each and every time and trying to make something happen. And it didn't work. He either blocked, got the ball stripped from him, or missed the shot. And the other team ran up the court and got a bucket. That's how they were able to succeed and beat us in OT. And he didn't do that once. He didn't do that twice. He did it like three or four times. That's a problem. If if you're an R.J. Barrett fan, there's no way you can defend that. There's just no way. And not passing it to Cam, who had the hot hand, who got you in OT. You know, that's that's exactly what I said in the beginning. You got to be able to ride the hot hand. Now, I don't know if that was plays called by Thibodeau. Again, I don't know. But if he was playing and drawing up calls for Cam before OT, I don't see why he wouldn't when Cam got you in OT. It wouldn't make sense to me. But again, I don't I don't know what's going on in that locker room right now. So I can't answer that question. It's going to be interesting to see when those reports come out, if those discussions even happened or, you know, if we ever find out. But as of right now, this Knicks team absolutely need to shore up its three-point defense. They need to make a concerted effort to rebound, no matter who you are. No matter if you're a guard, power forward, center, small forward, your mindset has to be to rebound and get that ball. It cannot be up to Mitchell Robinson every single night to clean up the glass. That's just, I know that's his biggest strength and that's what he's going to do, but he can't be relied upon solely to do that. We need everybody to have that commitment because if everybody has that commitment to go for the ball and make that rebound, make that last effort, and it's going to permeate throughout the entire team, that's a positive effect to me. That's a positive. I want my everybody in the paint driving, jumping for that ball. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to say the Knicks do that. And I think we have the talent to do that. It's in, it's incredible to me that we lost so massively on the offensive boards and lost the ones that mattered so much. All those second chance opportunities that led to a play or the missed free throw at the end that led to an offensive uh, rebound that went to Ja and he got an and one. Three points. Just like that. And a snap of your fingers because of one offensive rebound. That's how important it is. That's how important Mitch is to the lineup. That's why when he's in foul trouble, you can see what happens and how the Knicks can get exploited. That's why everybody has to make a concerted effort to uh, to rebound. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to replace his shot blocking, but you might be able to replace or at least you know dilute his rebounding uh, effect at some point, uh, some way to get more rebounds than you normally would if you make that a focus, especially when your bigs are not in the in the game or Mitchell Robinson is not in the game for that matter. So I think that's something to look for. Some of the keys to success are consistency, defense, but not only defending the paint, which is important, but defending the three. We can't, we got to stop looking at them separate. Defense is defense. Defense is all around. If you're going based on on-ball defense and you're, leaving out the fact that he doesn't get any steals, doesn't pay the passing lanes or anything like that. I don't want to hear about it. The entire team has to collectively play defense. They have to collectively close out on shooters, especially the three-point shooters, because that's where we got killed this game. So that has to be a, a focus of emphasis. 
We also have to make sure we play smarter so we don't get into foul trouble so early and often because that's going to affect the entire game. We saw what a Mitchellist first half looked like. It wasn't that pretty, and we got demolished in the second. I don't want to see quarters like that. I don't want to see games like that. We got to be consistent on the defensive end. Got to make a concerted effort for everybody to defend, everybody to get rebounds, especially on the offensive side where we get killed a lot. Well, one of the main reasons we lost the game, and I said it already, is because we didn't protect the three and we let them shoot whatever they wanted. We let them shoot 50 times. 50 times. You don't expect a team who shoots 50 times to at least make 10 or 12. They made 17. 34%. That and offensive glass, why we lost. And if we keep repeating those things, we're going to lose more games, especially the teams that matter. I'm curious to see what this team does. Their next game is on Friday at 7.30 Eastern time against the Pistons. Sounds like an easy game. Uh, the Pistons did beat uh, Orlando recently. So they're on a little high on that. And, you know, they might come in with a little bit of swagger and confidence going into Friday's game even though that's our um, home season opener at MSG. So I think, obviously, this is a winnable game. I think the Knicks can definitely, you know, take it to the Pistons. And more importantly, I think this could be a blowout game for the Knicks, which I hope it is because it can give our starters uh, some rest before we get into some more crucial games because that's a key thing. And I also want to see if we do have a big lead going into halftime or going into the fourth, what does Tom Thibodeau do with the minutes? Does he still play the same team because he wants to keep that lead because no lead is safe, quote unquote? Or do we play the bench, let other people get more time and see what they can do and manage the lead? And if we see it getting maybe a little scary, maybe put some starters back in. Maybe that's what we do. I don't know. That's going to be a Tom Thibodeau question. And that's what I'm waiting to see. And I think we might be able to get that answer on um, Friday night when the New York Knicks play the Detroit Pistons. It's going to be a good game. I'm curious to see what Jaden Ivey is going to do in a regular season game. He's looked really good in preseason. And I'm also looking to see what this Knicks team does now that they got punched in the chin. Because tonight was a punch in the chin. You go to OT, you have a chance to beat one of the best teams in the West, and you don't, you got punched in the chin. So I want to see how they react now that they got punched in the face like this. And what they're going to do. We saw how Boston responded, you know, going toward after the all-star break. I hope it doesn't take the Knicks that long to figure it out to respond. I hope they can get it right from the jump, but we're going to see what happens. I want to see how Jalen Brunson bounces back. Uh, I want to see how RJ Barrett bounces back. Mitchell Robinson. I want to see play 25 plus minutes like he's supposed to not this puch with 13. I want to see Obi Toppin play more than 13 minutes himself by no reason of fouls or anything, just by coach's decision. And I got to see more from Quickly because I think Quickly's job may be on the line here. He's not showing almost anything. Um, I don't know if it's nerves or whatever the case may be, if it's a looming contract or what it is, or maybe there's expectations from him this season. I don't know. But if he plays very good, and Reddish plays very good. 
and quickly doesn't perform as well. Do you make the argument that quickly is the odd man out now and Reddish and Grimes gets minutes? Again, I don't know. And it's only one game I get that. I'm not trying to blow off on anybody. We're going to wait and see. I'm going to wait and reserve my real opinions about this roster, this lineup, and what works and what doesn't once we get 10 games in. Five games, I could probably tell you. But I want to wait a solid 10 games, maybe even 15 games, just to see how some of these teams gel and also lineups and what works and what doesn't. I hope I can see a full range of type of games as well too some blowouts some close games like tonight hopefully we end up on the positive side versus the negative side of close games because i think more than anything a lot of nick fans don't like listening to post games when the knicks lose i can tell you one thing as a content creator we don't like much doing or covering the knicks when they lose either but you know we all got something we got to do so you know that's why we're here and that's why we're doing it but at the end of the day i love this team and I love the New York Knicks, and I'm very excited for this season, despite even the loss that we had. I saw some positives from this game, but I also saw some negatives. And you can tell me it's John Morant. You can tell me it's the Grizzlies. You can tell me that's why, but that can't be a reason anymore. And I'm sick of fans who accept that reason. I don't care who we're playing. On any given night, any NBA team can beat the other NBA team. Sure, it takes uh, you know a couple of things to go right, but that's still the case. And I still believe that the Knicks lost his game and it was a winnable game from them, but they lost it. Now they're going to go back home for their home opener against Detroit. And we'll see how they do there. And I think they're going to win that game. And I think they're actually going to blow that game wide open. If you really want to get my opinion on it, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be a great game and you know, I can't wait to see it, but that's been the New York Knicks versus the Memphis Grizzlies season opener post game. I appreciate you guys rocking with me again. I am your host, Troy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. But until next time, Nick fans, peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.